Hello, everyone. Before we get into the episode, you may have heard that there was an announcement recently that Jujutsu Kaisen, the manga that we are discussing this week, is going on a hiatus of indeterminate length due to health complications with the mangaka. We here at the Over Manga Cast offer our deepest sympathies to Akutami Sensei and wish them a speedy recovery. And now, on to the episode. Hello everyone, my name is Sam, and welcome back to That Time We Woke Up In A Podcast and Had To Explain Manga, our heated adventures, overanalyzing manga that we find interesting, better known as the Overmanga Cast. And if our crap opinions in the past have gotten you angry before, oh well, anger is power, my friend. All negative emotions are power because this week we're reading Jujutsu Kaisen by Gigi Akutami, chapters 1 through 18. Be careful you don't get so angry with us you summon a curse, and enjoy the show. Alright, experience with Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, my experience with this is how it is for a lot of things that I end up reading, uh, both on the podcast and not. Uh, a lot of people read it and enjoy it and recommend it to me. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like good. That sounds like something I'd enjoy. And then I don't engage with it until circumstances force me to do otherwise. The only thing that I knew was that uh, another group of my friends highly recommended it for the power system in it and they said it had a really unique spin to it and i'm like yeah that sounds cool and now here we are how about you jake pretty similar jujutsu kaisen is a series that i had actually heard of mostly because anyone who knows anything about anime or manga has been uh telling me to uh check it out because how amazing it is so like i'd heard of it i didn't really know anything about it and sort of a hilarious and sort of dumb thing I always heard Jujutsu Kaisen instead of Jujutsu Kaisen, so I was expecting a completely different kind of combat than what we got. I gotta say, I really enjoyed it. I think people might have overhyped it a little bit to me, because when I was initially reading it, I was scrutinizing it really, really hard and not really seeing the appeal. But, like, it does a really good job of establishing its tone. And then I engaged it on its own level, and suddenly I really liked it, so... Ah, uh, yes, you learned how to do the method that I use. <laughs> well, you know, the, the sort of important thing for people out there, it is really good. I think it might have been overhyped to me personally. It's a fun shonen series. It's more on the fluffy side than not. But uh, yeah, that's that's my experience, just getting it hyped up and hyped up all over the place. How about you, Jay? What's your experience with it? I had previously actually not heard of it too strongly. I think it was actually um, you guys who kind of hyped it up. And I was just like, what is this thing? It wasn't until actually several months ago. Yeah, several months ago when I started like looking, seeing some screen art, looking for, you know, could I watch the anime or something like that? So rather recently, it kind of entered my sphere of, so I'm still consider myself pretty new and pretty novice <laughs> to the series. Um, so this was my first read of the manga, um, obviously, but I had previously been exposed to it only kind of through recommendation, as the others have said. And uh, yeah, Matt here. Um, so my experience with Jujutsu Kaisen is uh, basically at the beginning of quarantine, I was reading a lot of manga because not much else to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
And uh, Jujutsu Kaisen was one of the series on the list of things I was really into. And I'm like, man, if I ever had like a manga discussion podcast, I could talk to people about long form <laughs> manga with this would be a really good candidate for it. And now we're on like, what, episode 18. So um, clearly it wasn't a top priority, but here we are. <laughs> This do be a good series for that. This is the exact kind of series for a forum like this. I'd heard from like, like not just, you know, leading up to the doing this episode of the podcast, but like multiple different people I'd talked to uh, had really uh, sung its praises. I, I was really glad when I got to it. It's a fun ride. It's a and fun ride. I understand why it's so popular. Mm. Um, whether or not I'm fully on that train with people, I don't know. But like this has all the ingredients that I'm seeing in a box like this strikes a lot of boxes. Just while I was reading it, I got like strong bleach vibes. Like it's got that kind of story. Yeah, Matt kind of marketed this to me as, you know, the reincarnation or the reviving of the whole bleach idea. And I really enjoyed Bleach. I know that's a controversial viewpoint, but I have seen all of the movies. I've read the manga. I've watched all the anime. I am that person. I will fall on that sword. So I really enjoyed that. <laughs> There's a lot of good Bleach. So. I know the first two arcs, which Jujutsu Kaisen is a lot like. <laughs> you know, true to your classic shonen high school battle anime form, it starts in a club room as we are introduced to our principal character, our pro tag coon, Yuji Itadori, as he's hanging out with the occult club. Love the bait and switch the manga gets you on this first chapter because it's like, oh, he's hanging out with the occult club and they're going to go on a secret spooky ghost hunt. And like, this is the lead up you get in not a shonen manga. A lot of times you get in like a oh, I'm sorry. This is the lead up you get in like in a shonen horror manga where the idea is you're going to be like experiencing ghosts from like a very low level. Like, oh, what is the occult club going to do? And they need one more member. And like that, mm. it's all like tropes of like your typical like spooky horror manga. Mm -hmm. uh, and then suddenly <laughs> Yuji's like, by the way, I am also a demigod. <laughs> 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 the immense strength of this boy like what is he eating i don't know it's worth noting at multiple points establish the supernatural element of this series is not why he's this strong he's just naturally that strong somehow dumb strength he's got dumb strength and we like it i mean you're not wrong it at one point he says he can do like a 50 meter dash in three seconds and someone's like are you a car <laughs> <laughs> That is an accurate response. He rolled really good on all his physical stats and then he dumped intelligence. Well, like the main <laughs> plot line of the first chapter is the uh, track and field coach uh, forged his signature onto a club application that's going to get yeah. the occult club shut down. And the only way he's going to be allowed to join the occult club is if he beats this Olympic level track and field star in a competition of track and field, to which he does easily with no training. And he's just kind of confused. He's just like, I don't, I've never played this game before. What, what is the sport? It's shot put. <laughs> and look, look, Coach thinks that he's just a sprinter, and it's like, I know, it, like there's a thought bubble of, I know it's underhanded to do a contest of strength instead, but, and then... The coach had thrown the shot about 14 meters. Yuji winds up and practically baseball pitches at a good 30 to crash into a fence. <laughs> 
I've played Persona 5. I'm used to the idea of uh, teenagers clowning on former Olympian athletes who turned into high school <laughs> track and field coaches. <laughs> but all the same, <laughs> this boy is something else. Yeah, Yuji's got that strong, I'm a shonen protagonist, I don't have to explain why I'm naive and invincible. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, Call it the Son Goku effect. I'm sure I'm the first person to make that comparison. Well, we do get disavowed of that notion a bit later in the manga, but... Yeah, to be fair, like, we're joking about how uh, dumb Yuji is. He's not dumb. Like, I, don't, I didn't really read him as, as, like... Oh, I was talking about him being invincible. He's not dumb. He just doesn't quite grasp his strength. It just has always been. So he's just like, yeah, I'll just do this. I, I think specifically what the character bio for him says by the mangaka is that he excels in everything he puts effort into but he doesn't put a lot of effort into things. Completely understand that. That's a very apt description. Yeah, I could see him like being good at academic things, but not caring enough about to uh, about it to put in the effort. So I think that that's a. I mean, not that we see him much in school. It's his first day of school in the new school today. He's in the occult club. I'm pretty sure just because he kind of likes the two people who are already in it and he wants to hang out because they're friends. Uh, specifically, he's in the occult club because they needed a third member. His requirement is I need to be able to be out of school by five o'clock. Because he needs to get over to the hospital in time to visit his grandpa who is on his deathbed. So the lead up to this is kind of weird because I'm wondering what the situation is where I'm like, hey, I need to join a club. My grandfather's on his deathbed. I need to visit him after school every day at 5 p.m. At what point do you not just get an exception made for you? <laughs> uh, story contrivance? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, everything with the grandpa is a story contrivance. Yuji seems like the kind of kid that also is willing to just kind of shrug and accept the burden. Like, he wouldn't bother getting the exception for him because he's like, ah, whatever, my situation's exceptional, I don't care, I can just deal with this. He even references the fact that he just wants, well, I'm not quite, I don't, I'm, don't know if I'm recalling this correctly, but it's like, he just wants everyone to be happy and to get along. He's not a disruptive, he's not a disruptive <laughs> person, so... <laughs> As Sam was saying, like, he's not going to be somebody who is going to raise that point, whether or not it's very reasonable and like 99% of people would honor it. He just doesn't want to cause any type of disruption. He just is very much go with the flow and make every make sure everyone's enjoying themselves and happy and everything. And that looks cool. I'll do that. You know, not really thinking of any repercussions or anything just kind of just going with it he can handle it so he's willing to deal with the burden mentioning the grandpa this is sort of what i meant about how like at first i was scrutinizing it and maybe maybe you know building it up a little bit too much in my mind because they're they're pretty clear about how how seriously you're supposed to take it like not to say that the grandpa's passing is like badly done or anything but it, it does it's not exactly like built to make you cry or anything I mean, Yuji also doesn't cry. Like, it's it's not so much like a horrible tragedy so much as this was inevitably going to happen. I'm kind of sad about it. Even so much so that the nurses are, are kind of like, are you sure you're okay? And he like kind of laughs it off and says, um, this is the first time I've gone through this. And, you know, it might kick in later, but, you know, just it's as still he goes processing through, it. 
Yeah, he's as he's filling in his grandpa's like death death paperwork and everything, and it's just uh... yeah. We we've already spoiled his grandpa that died, but like, and, and to be fair. Grandpa was obviously cool as hell because uh, he's like trying to make this big final deathbed confession. And Yuji's like, I don't want to hear it. You're going to be fine. You're going to live. And he's like, damn it, kid. Let an old man die. Die looking cool. <laughs> don't you know I'm the grandfather in a shonen manga? I've got to <laughs> give you some cool advice before I die. You'll carry with through the rest of the series. He, he eventually concedes to just laying over onto his side away from him and going like, look, just help people. Don't die alone like me. Yeah, you're really strong. You're a good kid. You could help a lot of people. Go out, help people, live a good life. And you're also nice. Don't don't be a cynical old bastard that drives people away and leaves you alone on your deathbed with just your really nice grandson. Oh, also, he's trying to tell Yuji about his parents and Yuji's like, I don't care about that plot line. <laughs> the manga don't care. He don't care. Look, I want to know what USSR secret research facility Yuji came out of. Like, <laughs> I want some bleach nonsense. Like, I want his mother was secretly a cursed monster from the bottom of the sea and his dad was an astronaut. Like, I want... <laughs> if this suddenly turned into some weird cosmic horror BS, you know I'd be absolutely down for it. But alas, that is not what we get. Because that's one thing Jujutsu Kaisen does really well, um, which we're going to get into in a second, is when they do monster designs, their monster designs are terrifying. They are very spooky. They're visceral and they're like monstrous. And like it's in direct juxtaposition to just how cute some of the characters will look. Like when they're having happy fun times, they're drawn as like little chibis. Yuji in particular gets these like Mickey Mouse eyes. <laughs> Yeah, it's very funny because he loses like basically all the detail in his face except for the Mickey Mouse eyes and mouth. The rest of his body, if it's in the same frame, will still be just as detailed. <laughs> but we very quick we did neglect to mention one thing is that while all the all these shenanigans with our boy were happening, uh, there's some guy creeping about the school by the name of uh, Megami Fushiguro, and he is uh, looking for a mysterious item that he keeps calling a special grade cursed item. Just running around being a being a manga character. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised no one really pulled him aside and said, who the hell are you? Like, you don't even go here. <laughs> Yeah, he's not wearing a uniform or anything. He's just wearing all black and it's constantly sticking out of every scene he's in. <laughs> yeah, the there's like one point where he says something to the effect of, oh, I wasted my time sneaking in. I think the implication is supposed to be something to the effect of like he forged transcripts or something. But like he's not in the uniform and it is very much the case where like, don't think about it. He showed up. He's high school age. He's he's blending in. Nobody's really paying him any attention, despite how brooding and darkly colored he is. <laughs> what we did skip over initially was as he saw the uh, thing where Yuji's like super strong and goes like, wow, he's doing that without cursed energy. Weird. Uh, but more importantly, as Yuji walks by uh, Megumi, he gets a sniff of him and he smells something. That smelly smell that smells smelly yeah he smelled a bit of uh, cursed energy coming off of yeah you know that smell that smell that you know just smells like a curse yeah that that smell you know that like stinky smell that kind of lingers around and you're like hey smell this <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
It's like it's like there was a really bad fart in the room like a couple of minutes ago. And <laughs> anyway. almost like someone pulled a finger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. really abusing this joke, aren't you? <laughs> Yuji's in the occult research club. There is a spooky item on campus. Naturally, Yuji acquired the spooky item for his friends, but he was not sticking around to examine the item. He had to go see his grandpa, and he is confronted by by freaking what's his name? By Megami. I keep wanting to say Megamine, but this isn't Konosuba. <laughs> He's confronted by uh, Fushigoro in the hospital, who's like, all right, where's the cursed item? Dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. If you mean that weird thing that I found wrapped in all sorts of uh, prayer scripts, I already gave it to my friends. They're going to go back into the school later tonight and examine it oh god damn it okay <laughs> and fushigoro immediately turns around and heads towards the school follow me your friends are gonna die otherwise what <laughs> he specifically says don't follow me but right. uh yuji but, doesn't care yes because he is a shonen protagonist these two are the dichotomy of shonen protagonists you have the edgy brooding one and you have the happy friendly one it is your first impressions of Naruto and Sasuke distilled to their purest form. I hate how accurate that is. I mean, kind of. Well, Naruto and Sasuke don't like each other, though. They don't, but Naruto thinks they do. What? No, Naruto's constantly... This We're not talking about Naruto. <laughs> and I also mean more in terms of personality. Yeah. Not necessarily the uh, relationship. It's the two like character types. What? <laughs> like if they made out. Yes. Sure. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, they go to the school and it's full of monsters now. <laughs> yes, because the two other members of the research club uh, peeled the uh, peeled the ceiling paper off of a they did a dumb thing. Mm hmm. They did a very dumb thing. <laughs> a mummified human finger uh, human. I don't I'm, I don't know. It's humanoid. It's human for the purposes we need it to be. I just want to say that for like, if these are true dedicated occultists, occult club members, as they say they are, why so dumb? You, you just don't mess with occult things. You know how dangerous they are. Like anyone. How much of a club then? They're probably just high school dumbasses that are intrigued by spooky things. That they need Yuji to go in for first. Yeah, they, they like doing things that scare them. Like, because it's fun. It's the it's the classic horror movie character. Problem. Anyway, Yuji starts punching ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> Yuji does indeed start punching ghosts because we are rapidly introduced to the power system of this manga, which is curses. Curses are the manifestations of negative human emotion that coalesce over time and manifest into these spirit beings that are just general bad news. And places that people have a lot of negative feelings in are generally breeding grounds for curses. And specifically, that's why uh, the cursed object was there in the first place, because in order to deter uh, high school from just constantly having curses around that eat people, you put a powerful cursed object in there and the natural like resonant energy coming from it scares weaker curses away. Unfortunately, once you did undid the binding, it became a giant buffet of cursed energy that drew everything in. That's actually something that kind of happens consistently. But Fushigoro is uh, a jujutsu sorcerer. He is trained to deal with this sort of BS. And so he tells Yuji to stay behind as he goes inside to uh, fight all of these monsters. And he does so by using shadow puppets to summon doggies. They are good puppers. I love them. Best characters. 
Yes, the divine dogs. And, you know, Fushigoro, he's doing a good enough job. He's going around clowning on some uh, on some curses, then finds the big monster, which is in the middle of trying to devour the rest of the occult club. Well, specifically, it, it's got um, the dude uh, Iguchi. No, the the dude had his head bit was like had a face hugger on. It's the girl who's getting eaten kind of by like the giant couch monster. Yeah, like it looks really cool. In flash molested one of those things. This one isn't presented as being like particularly much strong. Normally it's something that uh, Fushiguro should be able to handle because it functionally has a hostage at this point. He can't just sick the divine dogs on it because uh, they might uh, rip her up too. Thankfully, Yuji, complete madman that he is, leaps like four stories up to crash through a window and drop kick the monster to save his friend. <laughs> this is one of many cases where there's there's something that it's like, are we going to explain that? No, I guess not. Let's move on. It was a cool action scene. <laughs> yep. I guess Yuji is just a demigod. <laughs> Because what we do do get told by Megumi, I think immediately after this, is he has to tell Yuji, by the way, your punches aren't actually doing anything to them other than moving them physically. You don't have any cursed energy, so you're not damaging them. Only a stand can fight a stand. He gets this out right before another monster crashes through the ceiling and starts clowning on, Meg on uh, Megumi. Uh, launching them out onto a rooftop. Yuji wants to help. He's already decided that he and uh, Fushiguro are going to become best friends. And the guy's like, yeah, no, you're not actually doing anything. You're not going to be able to fight this guy. Just leave it to me, okay? Sam, what if I ate a finger? <laughs> Dude, that little, he was a little, little, a little nippish, a little hungry. Yeah, that, that's essentially the level of thought process in the manga, too. It's, Yuji goes straight to, well, better eat this finger. He's like, he's like, so I need cursed energy in order to fight this thing, huh? And this finger is a cursed object with a lot of power, huh? Well, you are what you eat. Oh. <laughs> he is so smart. The logical connection we're supposed to think Yuji made was these cursed spirits want to eat this finger to gain its power. What if I ate it to gain its power? Which is an interesting connection to make. <laughs> Luckily, it, it worked it out really for him. Is it, it's, complete, it's completely logical, guys. I have to give him that. You know. <laughs> Essentially, what we get from um, Megumi is, oh, well, he's dead. Oh, he didn't die immediately. Oh, no. This is a one in a million chance. This is the worst possible outcome. He survived. <laughs> yes, because that cursed object is not just a cursed object. It is the severed mummified body part of a ridiculously powerful, famous cursed spirit from uh, eons ago named Ryoman Sukuna. I always forget that he has a first name. I, I always just call him Sukuna. Yeah, they almost always refer to him as Sakuna. The good news is that uh, Yuji does indeed obtain cursed energy power and the monster is indeed defeated. So mm -hmm. so mission accomplished, right? No, you would think, Jacob. <laughs> but unfortunately, I'm no longer the weak boy known as Yuji. I am going to slaughter all the innocent women and children in this weak age. Oh, nope. Shit. <laughs> yeah, Sekuna incarnates in Yuji's body and is getting ready to go on a massacre. And then Yuji says, no, this is my body. What do you think you're doing? Give it back. How are yep. you still able to control this? It is my body, you know? 
It's a really cool because this conversation is them talking on opposite sides of their face. I will say there were a couple of cases where I thought that the layout of the speech bubbles was really bad and it was hard to follow the conversation. But the paneling was really good in this because it it was very clear who was speaking at what point. Like, you know, which one was which was, I think, kind of deliberately hard to tell. But once you could figure out what order they were speaking in, you could tell it was two people having a conversation, except they were sharing a body. Yeah, it also helps that uh, Sakuna has a slightly different uh, font to his dialogue. Mm. He's got the font you see the cursed monsters have sometimes, but also they're not super consistent with that. So later on, he he no longer has a custom font, but normally later on, it's more obvious who's talking. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have as many conversations in the same body. And Fushigoro's like, unfortunately, now this means you must die. And he's like, wait, hold on, don't, don't kill me, that'd suck. And... Kakashi appears from a different manga. <laughs> no, uh, we get uh, Sensei Man, uh, Satoru Gojo. Gojo Sensei, best character. He, he has a blindfold on <laughs> constantly. And he was late arriving to this because he was buying souvenirs for the train ride home. He was going to They eat weren't them. souvenirs, they were snacks. It's yeah, an important distinction snacks. that he makes a point of making. They were a delightful. Yeah, they're they're still a local delicacy, so they were obviously souvenir <laughs> snacks. But whatever, it's important because <laughs> essentially he goes like, "Hold on, Megumi, maybe don't kill him immediately. This could be cool." Yeah, this could be an opportunity, chance that because obviously where there is one finger, there will be others. This Sukuna demon is split kind of horcrux style between all of his different severed bits and since yuji is able to act as a containing vessel insert hollow knight reference here he can collect all the different bits and then if he dies we kill sakuna in one so i just need to eat 10 fingers right no he need to eat 20 things his toes too no he had four arms dun, dun, dun. i love that exchange because it's like did you purposely give him 20 fingers because you thought that was a better number or did you realize after writing the first chapter you're like i should give him more than 10 fingers there's not enough <laughs> <laughs> we need to pad this as much as we can anyway that that kind of negates uh the one thing that happens is um gojo basically makes a deal with yuji uh Swap control over to Sukuna for 10 seconds. And then if you can get back control after that, then I'm fine with not killing you here on the spot. This conversation is happening after the uh, the incident with the school uh, occult club unleashing this evil. Um, and Yuji is like tied to a chair with like industrial chains and uh, Gojo introduces this entire conversation by saying, so your execution date has been set to five minutes ago. <laughs> uh, and they subsequently have that explanation. And the the deal is um, we could execute you now. That's what the council wants. Um, or you could collect the, the 20 fingers, consume them all. And then we kill you then, which means you get to live longer in the second option. And Yuji just immediately goes, that sounds cool. <laughs> it's not even the council will decide your fate. It's the council has decided your fate. Yeah. And then Gojo's just like, you know what I think about what the council thinks? 
Fuck what the council thinks. Yeah. Council's a bunch of crotchety old men. They don't know what's up. Yeah. He's with it. He's hit. He is. He, he is very much. He's got strong youth pastor energy. He does. <laughs> Yo, Yuji, you want to rap about cursed spirits? <laughs> I love Gojo so much. He does not. He he says, look upon these barren fields. This is where I would grow my bucks if I had any to give. <laughs> I'll give them some. That's it. Oh my Damn. God, wow. Damn. I mean, you're not wrong, but yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so Gojo basically just accepts Yuji's answer and it's just like, cool. Well, um, you passed the test. Uh, oh, damn. After what Jay said, I'm thinking about his infinity powers now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he tells Yuji, cool, you're going to help. You're going to be a vessel for Sukana, and then we're going to execute you when you've got all 20 of his fingers. By the way, you want a Yuji snack? I got a Yuji snack and unwraps another finger, and then Yuji eats the other finger, and now he is twice as strong. <laughs> He's so smart. I'm sorry, I, I should clarify. Sukana is twice as strong. Yuji does not actually gain any benefit from him. Because <laughs> if he allows Sukana to come out, then short of Yuji taking control back of the body, Sukana will just do what he wants to do, and that's go on a rampage and slaughter people. Gotta get so that super-powered evil side in. It, it, it is honestly one of my favorite examples of a superpowered evil side that I've seen in a long time. No, it's really cool because the series main antagonist shares a body with the protagonist. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it gets into this really fun game of essentially politics between the two of them as Yuji and Sukuna are constantly dealing and compromising and negotiating about who can use the body when and for how much and what's the contract limitations and look i've got guests coming over can i just have the body for the weekend go see a movie <laughs> that that almost literally happens yeah yeah it does it's surprisingly a, I guess I shouldn't say surprisingly, but it is a really entertaining dynamic between a man and and the demon inside of him. I got to say, that seems to be a bit of a, a theme with this series of uh, people actually being there, like people not realizing that they're their own enemy sort of thing. Well, that kind of goes into the whole cursed energy thing, because cursed energy is a manifestation of negative human emotion so the more depressed or angry or anxious or whatever bad thing you're feeling you are the more powerful your cursed energy is and if you're a jujitsu sorcerer who can manipulate that sort of thing being in a bad mental space is power which we kind of see with the jujitsu sorcerers we see later is the people who are really good at it have something wrong with them that gives them a like easy access to it i think that's not a common trope though the more broken you are you know either socially or psych psychologically the stronger you are you know for good and bad yeah Th this manga just really takes that idea and runs with it it's very cliche in a similar way to hiroaka 
I personally prefer Hiroaka over Jujutsu Kaisen, but um, it does the same thing where it's like it knows what the tropes are and it's not going to apologize for it. It's just going to do the tropes in as, you know, as uh, entertaining a way as possible. And, you know, not being ashamed of your tropes is a good way of getting people to uh, suspend their disbelief, which was sort of the problem that I had at first. <laughs> once I once I suspended my disbelief. Check your disbelief at the door, Jacob. <laughs> I need to do that more often. It's really hard for me. <laughs> uh, Yuji's going to Hogwarts now. Uh. Yeah, he spent like a day at the high school that he was supposed to go to. And then it's like, OK, well, now you've got this demon power. Uh, you're going to super cool uh, magic high school. I think Yuji himself is written off as dead to like the government, I think is kind of. <laughs> I think we're I think we're jumping ahead here. Yeah, that happens later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that that happens. Uh, no, that happens later. It might it might happen twice. <laughs> it might. He gets written off as dead twice. He's super he's super deceased. Cadaverific. They 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 give him an excuse to get out of his school that I think yeah. he must have been there for a week. Definitely yeah. not longer than that, though. But because um, he was there long enough to join a club. And establish like friendships. Like, I mean, he doesn't just say that oh, these people look cool. Like he's apparently already been friends with them for some time. But yeah. Clearly, he's also a new student who's mm -hmm. just there because of his grandpa's health issue. And the, the, the only thing I'm saying is why it's not his first day is because he does say he's gone to like a haunted house with them before. Yeah. But they've hung out like several times before. There's there's a relationship. There. So I think about a week is probably what it's been. Yeah, but yeah. regardless, either way, he hasn't been there for long and then he gets yoinked away because he's got to go to magic school. Jujutsu high. Unfortunately, in order to enroll, you need to beat the principal in a 1v1 fight. You need the principal. <laughs> you need principal Guy Fieri's approval. <laughs> Lest you forget what genre this is. He looks like Guy Fieri started carving yokai dolls. <laughs> You know, I hadn't really I hadn't really thought about that. But when you put it that way, he really does. <laughs> anyway, he takes Yuji to Flavortown. Uh. Yes. yes. <laughs> the principal asks him why he wants to become a Jujutsu sorcerer. And uh, ev until Yuji gives him an acceptable answer, the uh, Kappa doll, which is a which isn't a doll, it's a corpse that he has carved into this shape and filled with cursed energy. At least according to what the uh, the dialogue says, because it's called a cursed corpse. So I think that means it's a vessel that has been filled with cursed energy. I think they're calling it a corpse because it's dark and brooding. They're not ultra clear on it is the thing. Yeah, things things in this series get called like way darker than they are a lot of times. Like um, the uh, substance that was used to seal Sukuno's fingers was called um, corpse wax. Unfortunately, that is wax made from decomposed human bodies. So maybe not the best example. <laughs> that is an actual thing. We, are, we oh. already have corpse oil. Like that's a thing. Apparently both of those are things. <laughs> Remind me never to cross Sam or Jay. They know things I don't want to know. <laughs> Our knowledge of dead bodies is vast and uh, perhaps unnecessarily so. Already, Sam, we'd be a better occult club. Hey, don't do the dumb thing. Exactly, exactly. Hey, Sam, you want to play with a Ouija board? 
I'm nothing bad could happen. I'd be the better occult club because I'd be like, ooh, tasty finger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, a capital named Kathy beats the crap out of Yuji uh, because Principal Guy Fieri doesn't accept my grandpa's dying wish was to help people is a appropriate reason to become a jujutsu sorcerer. Yuji doesn't really understand up until he's getting beaten in and the pr principal just yells, is it going to be your grandfather's fault when you die? Mm -hmm. And that really shakes Yuji to the core of like, wait, no. <laughs> That's a very good question, though. It, it, it encourages him to use critical thought of being like, hey, I know your grandfather said this, but is it a good idea? Mm hmm. Like, are, are you just following your grandfather's orders or are you taking his life advice to heart? Yeah, is, is really what shakes Yuji and Yuji realizes, no, I should think about why I want to follow his last wish. Oh, because I'd feel like crap if I knew I could help people and I didn't. Mm -hmm. It's like Jake said, this manga is not afraid to show its tropes on its sleeve. It's also not afraid to subvert them in some ways, because like in in a more standard shonen manga, it's my grandfather's dying wish would have been a perfectly acceptable reason. But no, he has to go one step deeper. And it's like, why did your grandfather's dying wish compel you? Is it just to honor your grandpa? No, it's because it's something that is inherent to you and not him. And also, I like Yuji's other reason of uh, Jujutsu sorcerers don't die without regrets. But that might be the case, but he's not going to live with them. Yeah, I think that I think that has a has more of an effect on the uh, on Guy Fieri. I, uh, what is his actual name? <laughs> his actual name it's is Yaga. 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 OK, because um, um, I think that has at least as much of an effect on uh, Yaga. You know, if you're going to do this, you have to think about it very hard because in this job, every uh, Jujutsu sorcerer dies with regrets. A strong chainsaw man energy in this scene. It's just like, hey, this is a dangerous job you're going to die in. Yeah, I had this same thought. Uh, he, this is a dangerous job you're going to die in, and nobody does this if they're not a little crazy. Yeah, and, you're right. And, and in this, I mean, craziness is literally power in a sense. But yeah, it shows brokenness, deviation from the norm. You can be powerful by being different, children. <laughs> Remember, be powerful that. by cannibalism. <laughs> yes. Wait, wait, hold up, hold up. <laughs> Eat fingers, gain power. <laughs> Eat fingers, gain power. I think one of the things that we uh, forgot to mention as, as another little side effect of uh, Sukuna inhabiting Yuji's body is he can just manifest mouths anywhere on Yuji's body like he's freaking Datara and just start talking to him. Yeah, there's a there's a fun bit where um, Sukuna uh, creates a mouth on Yuji's cheek and he's like, oh, not this again, uh, slaps his hand over his cheek. And then the mouth just forms on the back of his hand and continues yeah. talking. I love Yuji's reaction to this is like, yeah, sorry, he does this sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not much of a bother <laughs> to Yuji. It's just ugh. It's, it's occasionally like, a minor annoyance. And like one of the terms of his commuted sentence is being able to control uh, Sukuna. So it's like, don't worry, this isn't me losing control. <laughs> it, he's just uh, chatty. 
being a little shit. I, that is most of his character, so. <laughs> a little right. four-armed gremlin. Yuji gets accepted into um, Tokyo Jiu-Jitsu High School. Um, and can we talk about the campus here? <laughs> yeah, it's this massive freaking complex in the mountains, but there's only like maximum a dozen uh, students spread out over four years at a time. I think we explicitly yeah. get told how many students there are. There's the three first years of one we're going to meet shortly. Mm -hmm. There are the three second years. And then there is two fourth years. And do we know if there are class caps or if it's specifically like on people who demonstrate capability or power? I don't know about class caps, but it's definitely the way that it's framed from what uh, is explained to Yuji is the number of people who are even capable of interacting versus other than just getting killed by them is extremely small. And the death rate of this job is extremely high. So we're almost always under. So like Demon Core. Yeah. Yeah. Always low on uh, personnel. Ain't that just the truth of the world? Why don't more people want to want this job? I don't understand. <laughs> Why don't more people want to constantly delve into the darkness of their own psyche? We to actually gain have decent wages. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> They do have decent wages that gets brought up in asides. There's also a problem of not everybody can just kind of become a jujitsu sorcerer. There's a certain amount of inbred talent that comes along with it. And not that type of inbred. The other inbred. <laughs> Indeed. Most of the people who are in the classes right now are from a bloodline of sorcerers. And so they have been trained for a long time or maybe that typhoon bread i changed my point <laughs> i mean you're not wrong but yeah huh? yeah we are talking about noble families no matter anyway. what time no matter what place habsburg syndrome gets us all luckily we don't have to deal with that with the new girl huh? <laughs> yeah because uh despite the fact that uh yuji was the third student of this year um, for some reason, the girl had not shown up yet, and they needed to pick her up in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Nobara Kusisa uh, Kugisaki. Uh, it, sh it should be noted that uh, Fushiguro is the other uh, first year. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's the of the three. It's Fushiguro, Yuji and our new character. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Megumi is still recovering from his injuries uh, during the school fight. Yeah, but um, so he goes along with this mission, but uh, is not going to participate. You know, we don't even really expect it to be a mission. It's just picking up the, the new student who is a very abrasive type. <laughs> Ooh, Sam, be careful. The Internet loves her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. We live in a post-Resident Evil 8 age. <laughs> he is a very tall woman. Very ample figure. Some huge tracts of land in the mountains. <laughs> well, well, no, huge tracts of land because she's a country girl, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what we're referring to. Country, she, yeah, she's a country bumpkin. Don't, don't read into that. Yeah, don't, don't think too much, Samuel. She she is a country girl who has moved to the city because she idolizes Tokyo. Um, we get a little bit of her backstory in. Essentially, it's a page where she just explains her backstory, but it, it doesn't go into any real detail. It's essentially I lived in a rural bumpkin town. I 
became friends with this girl who moved there. She got bullied and uh, had to move to Tokyo. And now I want to go to Tokyo and leave this bumpkin town. She was originally from Tokyo. She was a city girl who moved to the country. And because she was a city girl, she was horribly bullied. Right, 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 right. Nobara's friend. Nobara's friend should be clarified. Yeah, she was a city girl and, you know, country bumpkins are just like, go back to the city. You city people always coming out here and you think you're better than us and go back to the city. Go back to where you came from. Mm-hmm. That's actually a pretty on point uh, representation of what the manga tells us. These people were like constantly saying city because that gets brought up by her character a lot, yeah. as well as Yuji. Um, they're I all mean, super excited to be in the city. <laughs> Saying your friend who specifically came out of the city and was more open, like open and welcoming of you really gave her a better taste of people who like vehemently just like, oh, I'm disgusted by outsiders. It's just a little bit of irony there. That was really funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, as country bumpkins ourselves, Jake and I can attest. <laughs> you deeply hate city people. <laughs> Funnily enough, I was originally city and moved to country, so I've. uh but you weren't horribly bullied about it, were you? Like the attitude that's uh, like presented in the manga is obviously hyper for the sake of backstory. But like there is a sort of like if you weren't born here, you'll never be native, even if you've been here basically your entire life sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, of course, it's a you know, it's a manga that has all this supernatural stuff. So they dial it up to 11. Nobara is just happy to be in the city, uh, wants to become an uh, idol or a model. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she yeah she gets off the train and it's like okay now when do I get scouted? Start scanning the crowd. <laughs> I actually felt kind of bad for her because I mean like she immediately closes in on this guy who's who's scouting this girl like random girls on the street saying ooh you should model for for my company or whatever and then she goes up behind come, like creeps up behind him taps him on the shoulder and be like I'll do it what about me and typical yeah. The guy, the guy kept getting, oh, I'm busy, go away. And then he he rounds on her and gives her one of those. It's it's kind of brutal. Yeah, I, I, I cringe. No, because I mean, seriously, she's not ugly, guys. She's not, but she no, is no, not. She's cute. She is not the traditional ideal of Japanese femininity. Mm-hmm. It's really the thing. She is big and strong. Or tall and strong, I should say, because she's also not necessarily yeah. that big. I'm just saying there's definitely a market for that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into detail. I've also right? seen the internet, Jay. <laughs> Again, we live in a post-Resident Evil 8 world. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure she's like the tallest of the group. She's comparable to Yuji, at least. She's taller than Yuji, I know that. Gojo Sensei promises to take them on a tour of the city. And aren't these uh, simple country folk just so excited about that? And I fooled you. We're going to an abandoned district and we're going to go to this creepy old shopping mall and go fight some curses, kids. Yay! I wanted to go to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) They do want to go to Tokyo Disneyland on the way there. Yuji wants to go to Chinatown and then has to be told in the speech in the author's notes that that's not even the right part of Tokyo. (laughs) No, it's not. Fushiguro isn't allowed to go in and do the fighting on the curses because he's still recovering from his wounds. And, you know, props to a shonen anime for actually caring about uh, healing time. So our two newbies get sent in the kid without any innate cursed power of his own and 
absolutely zero training in the jujitsu world. And this untested city girl who maybe dealt with a couple of bad vibes out in the country once or, once or twice, but now welcome to a metropolis where it's a huge concentration of people dealing in a very stressful environment. Yeah. Uh, the curses in cities are just way stronger and more numerous. Because there's more humans to gain negative emotion from is really how it's explained. Mm -hmm. uh, the one big caveat that goes in is um, Yuji is explicitly told, do not unleash uh, Sukano. Sukana? Sukuna. Sukuna. Sukuna Matata. No. Uh, <laughs> Sukuna. That help um, you? Because if he does, the first thing he is going to do is kill Nabara. <laughs> Sukuna actually even says as much. Yeah, if you use me, I'll just murder your friends, kid. You want that? No? All right, then. Keep that in mind. <laughs> We're like, we can't just send this child who can't even fight demons into this uh, infested house. I know. Let's give him a knife. <laughs> I'll give him a fancy knife. This monster hunter looking knife that I assume must be made from like the parts of cursed, uh, cursed spirits. And it is explicitly called Demon Slaughter. The knife is named Demon Slaughter. <laughs> that knife is awesome and it deserves more screen time. What happens to Yuji in this arc, actually? Yeah, so I'm pretty sure the knife gets shattered, doesn't it? No, no, he has the knife all through this arc. But what happens, like, immediately the two walk in and Yuji gets pulled up to the ceiling by a cursed spirit we never even see full on panel. And then yeah. we just follow Nobara for the rest of the arc, which fair. Mm -hmm. This is supposed to be her introductory thing, after all. You know, you point that out and like there's a lot of cases where people will either get pulled up through ceilings or down through floors by uh by curse spirits uh, to to separate people out like that. That happens at least one other time. And I think more than that. I mean, that's just how curse spirits hunt. <laughs> they, you got to separate people in. I mean, that makes sense. If you it can does, just yeah. walk through floors, you separate your targets. But it's also a good narrative device of, well, the party split up. Yeah, we get a really cool scene where Nobara essentially uses her spiritual perception, sees that there is a cursed spirit hiding in a mannequin. And her weapon she uses is a hammer and a bunch of cursed nails. I believe and, the uh, hammer is also cursed. By, by hammer? I, I love her weapon. It's very interesting. It's a claw hammer. Like, like it's from a hardware store. Yeah. It, it has a little heart drawn on it. <laughs> I just appreciate, like, I appreciate weapons that have multiple parts that are not, you know, just like a sword or something like that. Or something that are yeah. more complex. Swords are too boring. Let's make them more complicated, said the fan <laughs> of Bleach. <laughs> you know what? I know, cheap shot on Bleach. <laughs> Tycubo's made more money than I ever will. I already know that people have their opinions about Bleach. I told you I was willing to die in that sword. Yes, I know that is very hilarious, but... <laughs> Gonna die on that Bankai? I, yeah, I wasn't going to make that pun, but uh... of, of all the characters, uh, Nobora in particular is the one who gives me the most bleach vibes, specifically because she does dye her hair, her hair orange. Mm -hmm. um, so she bleaches her hair, <laughs> but also um, the way she uses like regular well, items with spiritual her energy. Her hair is, is she actually bleaches it. Ichigo is natural. You I'm gotta sure. remember that. Because his mom that. is secretly a demon from the bottom of the ocean or whatever. Yep, yep. 
Yep. I mean, we haven't even mentioned the fact that Yuji's hair is pink with black roots. I forgot. Yeah, and the color, it's, it's pink with black roots. Oh, I, yeah, I was going to say, I just saw it on the uh, Shonen Jump website, so I wasn't really looking at the covers. I hadn't seen it colored. <laughs> yeah, that's his natural hair color. I think they just all have bleached hair. <laughs> yeah, probably. But It's natural, Matthew. How dare you? <laughs> Nabara seems like the type of person who would bleach her hair, let's be honest. <laughs> she does. Like the but... city folk. I love how we've talked about uh, Nabara's hair more so than her fight, uh, which right. is a really good fight. <laughs> her fight, which is really cool. I keep wanting to I keep wanting to talk about how cool her weapons are, because I also like weapons that are unintentional uh, uses out of everyday items, because she does just have a hammer and some nails from the hardware store in what is an undoubtedly awesome maneuver, even if it is uh, empowered by magic, throws up a pair of nails, hits them with the hammer and slams them into the mannequin and then channels cursed energy through the nails to explode the mannequin demon's head. Yeah, because as long as the nails are any amount into whatever they hit, they will continue be being hammered in as if like a hammer was hitting them by the curse energy. And it's really cool. I <laughs> love it so much. She even warns the spirit like, hey, you might want to take those out up oh, too late. She's a character that if she was more poorly written, she'd be very easy to hate because she has a really big personality. But one of the things that like really impressed me about her is that, you know, there's the whole thing about, you know, oh, she's the country bumpkin. So excited to see the city. But when it comes down to like doing her job and getting down to business, she doesn't just warn, hey, you better take those out if you don't want to die. Like she goes into the room with this mannequin, immediately lays eyes on the mannequin. And it's like, do you really think you're hiding? You know, I know you're there, right? OK, well, if you're not going to move and then she hits it with the, the cursed nails and uh like there, there's a level of confidence of her that like that in this moment she backs up that makes you really invested in her. I, I also am a huge sucker for the moment of main character stops in a seemingly obscure location and is like, I know you're there. After she handily dispatches the mannequin curse, she notices a small boy crying in the corner. It's like, oh, crap, we got to get this kid out of here. At first, she beckons the little boy over and he and he shakes his head no. And she has that internal moment of, oh, he must be intimidated by my beauty. Because like <laughs> I said, a more poorly written version of her would not be particularly likable. So she starts to walk away and the kid's like, wait, no, don't leave me. And another curse pops out and holds the boy hostage. And suddenly comes out the honeycomb mascot. <laughs> <laughs> it is a hairy little gremlin monster. It's ugly as sin. I thought it was kind of cute with the bug eyes and the yeah. Look, uh, I'm just saying when it wants my breakfast cereal, <laughs> it will never get those delicious honeycombs. <laughs> <laughs> it does kind of do that thing where it loops around through all the way through ugly back to cute. It's so ugly. It's cute. Like space cats. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. All right, guys. <laughs> She's like, well, crap. I went and got the kid hostage. I better uh, put down my weapons and see what I can do to think my way out of this situation. And Yuji's fist just comes through a wall next to the thing's head. Pause. Ah, crap. I missed it, didn't I? And then he Kool-Aid mans through the entire wall. <laughs> it's one of those moments that really endears you to Nabara because 
you hear her internal monologue and she goes through the very like trolley problem logic of if I put down my weapon, the thing's still going to kill the little boy. And then it will also kill me. And then anyone I would have saved is going to die. The logical thing for me to do is to not care about the hostage and do my job because, you know, the, the kid doesn't get saved either way. But then she just reflexively drops her weapon anyway. That's that, you know, that reflexive empathy um, is another one of those cases where with how, you know, bombastic she is, her shtick could run out quickly if, if she wasn't so immediately like for her skill and for her understanding of what's important in her job. And unfortunately, the monster is about to get away because Yuji saves the kid as the priority by cutting off the thing's hand and it makes a break for it. But then Nobara's like, hey, don't worry, I always have a backup plan. And pulls out a straw doll and hammers it to the wall with a cursed nail. And that thing, monster in the air just explodes into nails from its heart. I love her weird voodoo powers. Yeah, she uses the severed arm to like get an attachment to it. Uh, big shocker, the Dresden Files fan loves the weird vomiturgy powers, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, and it's really cool because Sensei is proud of them for finishing their mission and Yuji didn't mess it up by going evil. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the real victory right there. And then they argue about where they're going to eat dinner. Mm -hmm. And I only bring that up because I love how the manga just ends at them all discussing this. But when I watched this episode of the anime, they literally go on like a chunk of time debating where they're going to eat dinner and then go to that place to eat dinner. <laughs> like... It's weird filler. <laughs> was it steak or sushi then? This is important. I, I think the joke was they went to uh, where Megumi wanted to eat and he wanted to go to like a discount sushi place. <laughs> so go Gojo was willing to like get them like really nice food, which is the joke with um, Yuji and Megumi. Uh, you know, they, they kind of deserved it because they like it was their first outing and immediately they get thrown into the fire and it's like, hey, you kind of owe us here. The joke is the two of them are asking for very expensive dinners. They're new to the city. Yeah, the joke ended up being Megumi just wants to go to a discount sushi place. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> Do we know where he if, if he's native to like Tokyo area? So he's just like, I just want I think I, he's like, I just want dinner. I don't care. Knowing because he's one of the he's part of one of the big jujitsu sorcerer bloodlines. So that would make sense that he's, you know, from the city. Yeah, and they're like, this is the first night, literally their first day, and they get welcomed by having to have the super difficult mission. It's like, at least you can, like, give them a nice dinner. Hey, kids ain't gonna <laughs> learn otherwise. I like the manga implication because they don't even bring up discount sushi. You just assume they went to one of those really nice places to celebrate. Like. <laughs> yep. But anyway, I love the opening to the next arc because <laughs> it's... It's just a floating fetus moon above <laughs> a detention center with some people on the ground going like, what's that? And uh, then we political symbolism. Hey, I saw this in the New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dungeon masters out there. You ever want a creepy scene? It's really great because we get like a write up for the mission in like mm -hmm. plain black text boxes. And it's like. It's not even a write. It's not even a write for the mission. It's the debriefing report at the end because it says three students from Jujutsu High went into that detention center in order to save people from the curse that manifested in the moon, and one of them died. 
and one of them died. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so Gojo Sensei is off on a business trip, so he can't use his BS powers to just insta win this mission. Yeah, we've not really gone into it, but something that's important to understand about Gojo, basically nothing that we've encountered up to this even worth his time. And we've done some pretty serious stuff already. He is self-proclaimed, and other characters confirm it, the strongest jujitsu sorcerer. Mm-hmm. He is absurdly powerful, which we will get to see on full display, but not quite yet. Because of that, we get stuck with businessman uh, Kiyotaki Ijichi. This poor guy. This poor guy. I, I, I'm not sure if I should have sympathy for him, though, because I... Me neither. Is, is he part of it? Well, let's get into this arc and then we can. I'm not sure if he's a part of the conspiracy or if he's just into being nagged, but. <laughs> anyway, this Japanese businessman essentially takes these three first, first year students on their field trip and basically goes, hey, kids, there's this mission. It's a juvenile detention facility. We assume all the inmates are dead. But there's like five people that didn't make it out in the evacuation order, so you should probably go save them. By the way, this thing that's in there, it's a special grade curse, which means you should just run away if you see it. And Yuji, noob that he is, and audience surrogate, raises his hand and says, what's special grade mean? Uh, well, you see, we have a five grade scale. We have grade four, and I actually really like this because uh, they compare the power levels to what it would take in conventional weapons to defeat them. Grade four is you could probably take it on with a bit with a wooden baseball bat. Uh, grade three is you could fight it with a pistol and win. Uh, grade two, you'd need some pretty high caliber weaponry. You're cutting it close with a shotgun in its face. Grade one is not even a tank would be enough. And special grade is you should just carpet bomb the entire area. I will say... I do like the grade system. The one issue that I have is they'll drop special grades really commonly and it makes yeah. special grade lose its luster. Like like the grade system itself, I think, works. But it, one of my few like issues that I do actually have to call the series out on is they drop special grade way too often. I mean, that's the thing you get every time a Shonen mentions yeah. the power scale. Like, mm -hmm. um, to the point, One Punch Man mocks it because they've got God level threat and like wolf deep. And like, what yeah. matters in that, though? I think that actually serves the story in a way, because while it comes up much later in our reading than where we are right now in our uh, in our review, Gojo mentions that more and more of the new generation of sorcerers are going to be reaching grades one and special because jujitsu sorcerers are on the same grade scale. And so obviously the base power level of curses and consequently sorcerers is getting higher and higher to the point where the grade system is probably going to need to be changed. So I think the fact that special grades show up so frequently in this and obviously, there is a gradient of power even within special grade. It's supposed to be emblematic of this changing world. Even in this arc, we get two specials who meet up with each other, and the level of difference in power between them is also like an infinite chasm. Yeah. Like, I think it's actually a plot point that their grading system is no longer valid to the world they're in. So while I understand your criticism, Jake, I think it's serving more of a function then it is the manga not, you know, paying yeah. particular attention to its power level. 
But moving on into the actual incident, they head into the detention facility and rapidly find out that they are now trapped inside some sort of weird infinite labyrinth. Because if you have enough cursed energy, you can create a pocket dimension called a domain. And that is what the beast in this place did. So thankfully, uh, Fushigoto with his very good doges is able to sniff out the entrance so they have their way out. Let's just find those uh, hostages and be on our way. Oh, they're all gruesomely murdered. And I mean gruesomely murdered. Some of them are literally folded into balls. Yeah, like, yeah, like, as I said earlier, Jujutsu Kaisen has, like, a very strong art shift with how cute things can be. And, like, the panels before this is them playing with um, Megumi's... Uh, dogs like oh they're oh, yeah. so cute good boy good boy and then the we get this big panel of oh no these are dismembered cube human corpses oh jeez in other words it's a very it's a very nice flex of their artistic ability their creativity i appreciate it oh no mm -hmm. at no point will i say the art in this is bad like this is consistently really good i haven't had a chance to bring it up yet but i absolutely adore the facial expressions these are some of the most expressive manga characters i've ever seen I mean, yeah, I would say short of One Punch Man, which I mean, you can't you can't touch that art. But like this is mm -hmm. probably up there with the best art we've had. They're standing there among all the bodies. Uh, a civilian had walked up before they went in there and was like, is my son in there? Did he get out? OK. <laughs> and oh, well, her son is among the bodies. <sighs> Sorry about that. And well, about half of them is on the pile. Yeah. You don't know where the other half went. Yuji's just like, well, we got to take this body back. And then he gets into a fight with uh, Megumi about like, no, we're not going to do that. This person got what they deserved. And we're then not doing that for some piece of crap, repeat offender criminal. It's like he drove without a license. Yeah, yeah, this scene is interesting. <laughs> he did do a bit of I don't exactly remember. It's either vehicular manslaughter or a he hit a girl on the second time he drove without a license, assumably yep. killing her. But like, yeah. I, I don't I, I mean, obviously, Megumi is being written to be overreacting in this scene. I'm not sure how much the audience is supposed to expect he's overreacting, though, is the kind of either way. They don't get a long time to deliberate on this because the and, like lose his license or was it just revoked? Uh, he was too young. Yeah, he was too young to get a license. So I would say the gravity is a little different because it implies that he was never properly trained in the first place. It's not somebody who had their license revoked, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, wouldn't diminish your driving skill. This is someone who logically didn't go through practical training in any form. Well, it's a, it's a juvenile. It's a juvenile detention center is the big thing. So these are like high school students. Yeah. So I mean, I I understand what Sam's saying, but I feel like there's a different gravity there. It's not like it's somebody who you know had DUIs and just got their license revoked and then all of a sudden didn't have a license. This is somebody who was never properly trained in the first place, decided to take it for a joyride, and then on the second attempt, killed someone. You know, someone who's completely not trained at all. Which, which again, I, it's, it's purposefully supposed to be like Megumi's overreacting, which we get some flashbacks from him explaining why he's doing. Not really, though. They're kind of vague flashbacks. It's more so he then tells us what his emotional takeaway from them is. Yeah. The the important thing here 
is conflict between our main characters just long enough for the curse to show up. And it is this fish face looking motherfucker. It is ugly as hell, really intimidating to look at and swiftly just takes off Yuji's freaking hand. Yeah, and I love how every point after his hand just gets cut off, we see his belt wrapped around his wrist as a tourniquet. Mm-hmm. Also, we should mention at some point, Nabora got kidnapped. I I can't remember when that happened. See, that's the uh, that's one of the other times that some that a curse goes through a floor and kidnaps somebody. It's just before the the special grade curse shows up to start fighting the other two, but she gets like sucked down into the shadow realm and fights a bunch of ghosts. Yeah, it's during the conversation about whether or not the, um, the body should be returned. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, right. And she was going to join in the combo, but they're like, no, we need to have one on one tension. <laughs> Narrative ghost. Activate. But yeah, basically what the fight comes down to was originally they were going to fight it together and see how that worked. Uh, and then that quickly became get out of here. <laughs> mm hmm. I'll stall for time. It is sadistic and I'm unusually strong. I can destroy it just send me a signal and we get to see the air quotes around unusually strong for yuji in this because he gets yuji gets clowned on he loses what? all his fingers at one point like yeah like the thing does a big demon key burst attack and yuji tries to hold it back with his own cursed energy and it's stripping away the skin and then the muscle and then the bone of the fingers on his remaining hand until they're half stubs this entire fight is intercut with panels of just blackness with his motto help people his grandpa's final wish written there slowly warbling and waving and distorting as he is reacting to the incredible amount of pain that he's in and how messed up his situation is. And unfortunately, the biggest tragedy of all, at some point during this stalling for time, the mighty weapon demon slaughter is broken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rip in peace, demon slaughter. Megumi uh, uses his divine dogs. Oh, also, one of the dogs just got splatted against a wall. Oh, yeah. One of the dogs got murked to hell by the Let's curse. not talk about that part. I hope that the doggo comes back. I hope that yeah. it's... Yeah, Jacob is like me. I, like, get irrationally angry when I see any animal harmed so, in any way. Um, I don't very... think his cursed spirits come back. I think he just has a lot of them. Well, so... I want them to, because doggo. It's a very gruesome panel, yes. The remaining divine dog sniffs out Nabara, Nabara's location. I wish we could see more of her situation because she is standing on a metaphorical pile of bodies with a broken weapon saying, come at me, you bastards. I'll curse you with my final breath. Isn't she being dangled above a giant monster about to eat her? when By yes. her ankle, yeah. 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 <laughs> and she yes. is... She is still spitting that smoke. I respect the hell out of her for it. <laughs> She's pretty great. She's like, I hope I give you indigestion. <laughs> like, that's the energy. Well, no, it, I mean, yeah, you're right, but I respect the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another another thing that is perhaps important to understand about this situation, the, the way that it's all framed is Jujutsu Society is shorthanded. They're sending these students in. What they tell the students is you're unlikely to encounter something that you can't handle. Just get in and get out quickly. But it's become very obvious very quickly that this is a situation that would require people who are 
far better trained than these first years. They should have sent in Gojo. Yeah, they've they have thrown these kids to the sharks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the fact that Nobara is holding up as well as she is. She didn't get her, you know, sushi. Or maybe she did. We don't know in the manga. Yeah. We don't know. We don't? But she could have at least had a nice meal, but she, we don't know. Anyway, this arc's wrapping up because um, Nobara manages to get, um, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> the other way yeah, around. F F Fushiguro manages to get Nobara out and gives the signal, which is the doggo going awoo. Yep, and Yuji's just like, oh, that's the signal. Time to let my evil psychopath half take over. Bang, 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 pull my double trigger, and Sukuna takes over the body. And Sukuna's immediately like, hey, you there, uh, special great cursed spirit, you want to go kill those kids? And the spirit attacks him, and he's like, all right, whatever, weakling, and proceeds to clown the hell out of this monster that was ripping our main character squad to pieces he uses his limbs to make modern art and it's it's hilarious because we get the scenes of uh sukana when he's like getting attacked he blocks it and then looks over to realize dang it i healed yuji's hand <laughs> i didn't mean to do that <laughs> i regenerated his Stupid hand on instinct. Ugh, now he'll have a whole body when he takes control again, whatever. Level of power between these people ranked at the same level. Does regeneration take any nutrients from the body? No, it uses cursed energy. Okay. Yeah, it, specifically, it's brought up that it takes a stupid huge amount of cursed energy. And specifically, uh, Sukana is upset because he's in a human body. It takes even more cursed energy because they go into um, cursed spirits are healed by. Which is why it's kind of interesting where he kind of like offhandly remembers that he healed his hand, because if it takes an ex exorbitant amount of energy, it's like you would be aware of that. You know, no, I 100 percent believe Sukana carelessly spends an enormous amount of energy. Like, yeah, that's I think that's what that's supposed to establish is the fact that they talk about how much energy it takes to heal. He complains on multiple occasions about, oh, I'm in a stupid human body. You know, they're super spongy and useless and I need a strong well, he body. He loves his human body. Mm -hmm. First first line out of him is he's like, ah, yes, flesh. This is truly what light is supposed to be experienced in. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know what to interpret that by that statement. I think the point is that Sakuna is just so ridiculously stupid powerful that dumping incredible amounts of energy into doing something that would exhaust any other spirit or sorcerer is just a casual thought for him. So I would not go to him for personal finance advice. No, 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 he he gotcha. he, he overinvests. He's, he's the um, kind of guy that buys a yacht because he had an inkling of going out on the lake today. Yeah. <laughs> and then walks into his garage and be like, why do I have a yacht? Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing that's worth noting about Sukuna, there's the, the 20 fingers that are like all have a piece of his power. Uh, Yuji has two. Yes. So. This is 10% of his power. Like, <laughs> it's literally good job. You made me use 10% of my power. <laughs> so that, that's actually a thing to bring up. Um, I don't think that's necessarily how it works. Like, I don't think each of the fingers is a fraction of the full amount, because I think what has happened is the fingers, as they've been sealed, have been independently growing in strength. 
That's why Sukana does not care if Yuji dies, because he's like, right. I lose two fingers. I just need one finger to still exist, and I can be, be reincarnated. Like, my power is my power. The fingers Horcrux. on their own have been... Yeah, they're my Horcruxes. But the fingers on their own have been generating power as well. Yeah, because this is, as I noted earlier, the great, like, negotiation scene between the two of them, like each of them pretty wonderfully playing the other for what they want. Uh, Yuji like, all right, you need to destroy this monster. All right, well, I'm going to just not do that and go on a rampage. Well, then I'll just take control back and you'll die. I don't care if these two fingers die. I've got 18 more. But, you know, Sukuna does absolutely destroy the the curse, which doesn't even have a name. Yeah, it's really funny because he he kind of like gets into like a back and forth like, well, I guess I'm forced to fight you now. Yeah, and they kind of have like a buddy. They kind of have like a buddy buddy like back and forth. Well, it's not really a back and forth because obviously the curse. Is like, yeah, and he's just like, you know, I, I I wouldn't normally like fight you, but we're put in the circumstance where you know, kind of have to. Mm-hmm. And then he accidentally uses a technique that cuts him into five pieces and is and he's like, oh, well, my toy's done. I'll take my finger back. Ooh, yeah. tasty finger. <laughs> yeah, because because this spirit, this special grade curse had one of Sakuna's fingers. Mm hmm. Which explains why it was so dummy powerful. And also explains why Sakuna was twice as powerful as it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, simple math. And so third finger eaten we are now at three out of 20 Woo! it's it's great the second he eats the finger inside the room the manga just jump cuts to him being outside threatening to kill megumi because the second he kills the cursed spirit the domain around the building breaks and you can just leave freely so sakuna's like well gonna murder some kids <laughs> because he tries to give yuji back control at the end of the fight and then realizes oh wait no did yuji black out Oh, Yuji's not taking back control. Oh, <laughs> Gonna murder some kids. And he goes to murder some kids. And Megumi isn't super worried. He's like, Yuji will just take back control before you kill me. Oh, that's right. He might do that. Hold up a sec. And then Sukuna tears out his heart. Tears out his own heart. It should be noted. Yeah, he tears out Yuji's heart. Specifically so that he cannot resume control. I can live without a heart. Your friend sure can't. <laughs> if the kid comes back, he's going to die. You know, so no one can be that selfless, right? He's going to die. So obviously he's not going to come back. And then Megumi, because he had a negative character aspect earlier in this arc, is just like, you're right. Everyone is incredibly selfish on their own. No one would act selflessly. <laughs> Until I remember my Nakama. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very much <laughs> Megumi learning a lesson, but he does have a fun bit where he just keeps summoning his cursed spirits and they get one shot by uh, Sukuna. And his strategy entirely is I need to tire him out enough that he needs to put the heart back in, which isn't really even a theory he thinks is going to work. He's just outright saying this is literally my only shot. This is probably not going to work, but it's all I got. Screw it. And uh, Sukuna's uh, a a dick, so uh, he toys with him until they're fighting on top of a building. You know, Megumi getting the crap beat out of him is asked once more, why did you let this kid live if you're such a heartless bastard who's only interested in exercising curses? And he's like, 
yeah, I'm a jujitsu sorcerer. We're not heroes, but it just didn't seem fair to let that kid die for doing something selfless. Yeah, and specifically, uh, Megami is like, my morality tells me the best thing to do would have been to kill Yuji when he was weak because he was a curse now. I acted selfishly against my morality because I wanted to save someone, even if they didn't deserve it. Because uh, we don't know who, but a lady in his life uh, was a very sweet and compassionate person. And he's like, ah, maybe maybe compassionate people should be allowed to live. <laughs> anyway, that uh, that little emotional pep talk from his friend is enough for Yuji to immediately go. Yeah, I guess I'll take back control. Oh, I'm missing yeah. a heart. Yeah, I guess you really are a good person, Megami. Anyway, live a long life. Live long and prosper. Uh, goodbye. I'm dead now. <laughs> Falls over, freaking dead. And now I am the dead. Let. Mm -hmm. And uh, like the beginning of this arc said, uh, someone will die at the end, and uh, Yuji is dead. <laughs> so before we get to the inevitable bit where he is a uh, shonen protagonist, and you did you really think killing him would make him die? We have to have a bad guy meet up. A character that Jacob and I are familiar with because we read the prologue, but yeah. <laughs> everybody yeah. else really isn't. A, uh, a, a note for people, and you know, if you're. Um... If you've already done the reading, it's too late to clarify this for you. Yeah, you've already should have done the reading. But if you haven't and you want to do the reading, uh, Shonen Jump puts the prologue first. Apparently, it's suggested you wait till about chapter 60 before reading the prologue. It's not the worst thing in the world to read the prologue first. But for those of you who are reading after whatever reason, that's out there for you. When the second year kids at Jujutsu High are introduced, you'll be like, oh, I recognize them instead of, ooh, these are cool. That's ba that's the mm. most prominent effect that reading the prologue had on me at any rate. You also know this dude's name because I don't yeah. think he's introduced in what we read. But the man uh, goes by the name Ghetto. He has a real funny scene where he goes into a restaurant and he's followed by these two like really strong humanoid cursed spirits. And the hostess just goes table for one. Yes, a table for one. <laughs> <laughs> he he hams it up so hard. Because, you know, only a jujitsu sorcerer or somebody attuned to the spirit world can see a curse. And so he, for all intents and purposes, he is sitting there by himself talking to thin air at this table. I, I did love this moment. Uh, he's talking to a guy that he's talking to a one eyed black toothed thing with a volcano for a head. Maybe it's, maybe it's best that he's, you know, sitting, you know, for all intents and purposes alone. Yeah, mm -hmm. because a, a waiter is like, this guy's been here for a while and he hasn't ordered anything. But and I'm a very dutiful waiter for the sake of my family, but I ain't going near that table. It's got a powerful killing intent and I want to live. Now, can we talk about the waiter's motivation? <laughs> it was really weird because like I read that I read that panel and I was like confused. It's such a weird because he's working for his sis his um daughter sister-in-law's sister-in-law's daughters. daughters so i worked he's, out like it's his wife's sisters right yeah his wife's sister's daughters are going to college all four of them and so he works extra diligently as a waiter at this restaurant so why does this fall on him like, I just don't understand that logic. Why is he spending the majority of his paycheck on this? Because he's like, the majority of my paycheck goes to their college educations. But I mean, what? it's like, 
it's the fact that he specified that it was part-time work and this is just me in the context of like Japanese life like I assume he has like another full-time job is my assumption so he's doing this on top of that so he can funnel the majority of his paycheck from this part-time job into their college funds probably either way he's a very the point is he's a very diligent waiter but he ain't going near that table he wants to live and so he quits on the spot and runs out of the restaurant yeah, I yeah. quit boss and runs out you know of the what? restaurant. Props to him for like going with his gut feeling. The thing about that moment is to me, that was hilarious because as you recall, I mentioned to be taking this seriously was my initial issue. Like, why is it? Why is any of this stuff with the wind? Like it, it goes on for so long. Like it's building up like he's going to die and you're supposed to feel sorry about it. He just chucks the uh, like his um, <laughs> the tray down. <laughs> I quit by boss and just runs out the back door <laughs> full tilt. It's so funny. It's a good thing he did because the manager walks up to the table. Can I take your order, sir? And bursts into flames. Because the uh, cursed spirit, uh, Jogo, appears to be a volcano spirit. And because he was getting upset with the conversation he's had, he just let loose a amount of heat that melts all the humans in this establishment. Uh, to summarize their conversation, uh, it's mostly set dressing to like make them hyped up as villains they essentially say we need to kill gojo and we need to make sukana our friend and then they go wait didn't uh, sukana die with that monster we killed we sent to kill him we, they're, they, they're established they're the ones who set off the cursed spirit in the detention center yeah and then ghetto's is like you would think he's dead wouldn't you you peasant by the way you can't actually kill gojo he's too powerful just put him in a box Mm, yes, I'll take your box, but then also kill him. Yeah, Jogo thinks he's hot. Like, literally. Well, he hot is. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to the uh, payoff of that, though, we have to mourn our dead friend because Yuji's totally dead, guys. The comparison to Chainsaw Man earlier, one of the things that we rightly praised Chainsaw Man for, uh, especially in part two, was the idea that you don't shonen protag your way out of consequences. In Chainsaw Man, well, Jujutsu Kaisen is more of a typical shonen in that regard. <laughs> to an extent, yeah. Because uh, Megumi and Nabara are mourning their dead friend, and they're like, well, we better get back to our lives as Jujutsu Sorcerers. And then the second years show up. You have Maki Zenin, the cursed item user. Toge Inumaki, the cursed speech user. He only says uh, rice ball fillings. Yes. And he is amazing. And then Panda panda moving on no explanation because the manga doesn't give you one uh panda is a panda <laughs> panda is panda that's all you need we're introducing all these characters we get to panda panda and then someone will think to themselves the one i wanted an explanation for <laughs> i didn't talk get about <laughs> yeah same here jacob <laughs> <laughs> i have so many questions <laughs> they're like all right we're your senpais uh, we need you guys to fill out the roster for the inter-school tournament. I mean, the Goodwill Festival. As, um, specifically, they would normally ask the third years, but I, there's two third years and one of them is suspended and they can't find the other one. And the fourth member of the second years, who is the main character of the prequel chapters, he is currently away doing something else. And so he's unavailable for the... He's training in Africa, isn't he? Something along those lines. Do, 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 do. 
our uh, freshmen agree to help out the sophomores with this Goodwill Games thing. And meanwhile, uh, Gojo's like, man, sucks that my new student is dead. I'm going to go kill all the higher ups for it. Wait, no, that won't actually solve anything. Moment of anger. Anyway, uh, I'm just going to go watch his autopsy. As you do. They retrieve the body and nurse lady at Jujutsu High was like, all right, I'm going to dissect his body now. And then we get to uh, perhaps one of my favorite scenes, a little battle inside the mind. Before the battle inside the mind, uh, perhaps we should clarify um, what's established in this scene before we go into Yuji's head is that the whole thing about like they should not have sent three first years into this lion's den. Gojo realizes the council wanted Yuji dead that day. I said no. I got him in as a student. So they sent him to his death by giving him a mission that was way outside of his pay grade. And they tried to kill two other of my students to piss me off. Well, good job. I'm pissed off now. Disruptive. She strikes again. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's great because in a normal shonen, you would just kind of brush it under the rug of like, yeah, of course, the main character team on their first mission accidentally finds a way too high level threat that you would never send a normal team on. And you'd be like, yeah, they're just that cool. But then everyone in universe is like, no, this is messed up. This never should have happened. This is exactly why it shouldn't have happened. There was no reason to do this mission. You weren't saving anybody. Thankfully, after a brief conversation with Sukuna in a battle inside the mind, uh, Yuji's not dead anymore. There is an important thing that happens, though. They are once again negotiating on how to use the body. And Sukuna's like, all right, here's the thing. I want to have unfettered control of the body for exactly one minute, and you will never remember this conversation happened or what I did with that minute. Understand? Mm -hmm. And... No, you're just going to hurt people. And he's like, you're right, I will. But I mean, he, he explicitly promises that he won't. What he specifically promises is that he won't hurt his friends mm -hmm. with the implication that he won't hurt anybody. But Yuji, why should I believe anything that you say? You could very easily lie to me. The right. lesson many shonen protag should learn. I want you to just revive me with no with no strings attached. And he's like, you're right, kid. How about we fight to the death for it? If I win, then we go with my terms. If you win, we go with your terms. All right, I'm going to kick your ass. And Sukuna promptly takes the top of Yuji's head off. It's a great panel because <laughs> Yuji is agreeing to the terms of the fight. And within that same millisecond has had his head cut in half. Mm -hmm. And his mouth is still saying, I'm going to kick your ass. And what we do get established is um, uh, Sukana specifically says, it doesn't matter if you don't believe my promise. As a cursed spirit, I'm making a binding contract here. I can't break this. I'm the one who's punished if I if I break this uh, if contract. I break this so and then we get an immortal panel of Gojo talking with Japanese businessman as Dr. Lady is getting ready to dissect Yuji's body. And she's like, all right, I'm about to I'm about to get started here. Are you guys going to watch this or and Yuji sits up, looks down at his himself. He's like, whoa, full frontal. <laughs> it's pretty amazing because <laughs> he's buck naked on the examining table. Also, can we talk about how buff Yuji is? <laughs> I feel like every time we see like a cutaway, it's just he gets more and more buff. And I'm not quite sure how. Well, that boy normally wears hoodies. 
There has to be like a correlation with how many fingers he eats with just how buff he gets. <laughs> I don't think they're related at all. I think he's just naturally that buff because he's a demigod. He doesn't even have any fingers before he jumps through a fourth story window. Was, that's what I was going to say. He jumped through a fourth story window. He has to have a muscle. He and Gojo high five and greet each other as the bros that they are. And then Gojo's like, all right, got to train you how to use cursed energy. You're going to watch yeah. movies. Yeah, I wish I was there. I wish I had that training arc. Me too. <laughs> the the in-universe explanation is um, Yuji doesn't need physical power and he doesn't have the ability to actually learn techniques. That's something you have to be born with. So the only training he can actually do at the moment is learning how to regulate his natural cursed energy he's getting from the fingers. And that's tied to emotion. So the training he needs to do is constantly outputting a fixed amount of cursed energy, no matter what emotion he's feeling. An alternative would just be speed dating. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to watch that training arc. <laughs> ladies, but, ladies, this is not just an ordinary, you know, just endeavor. We are training him to be the next hero of the world. He's given another one of Principal Guy Fieri's dolls, and if it's not given a, a fixed amount of cursed energy at all times, then it will punch him in the face. And he is told to sit there and watch a wide variety of movies that will elicit different emotions while still putting out that same low-level tension of cursed energy. Because uh, the important thing here about what this training actually does for him, you know, what we were saying before about like negative energy being the source of power in this universe. If you're actually like that angry all the time, that sad all the time, it's going to fight or it's going to affect how actively you can fight in the heat of the moment. So one of the most important things for uh, Jujutsu Sorcerer is that they have to be able to output these negative emotions without it letting them without it letting it cloud their judgment. So by uh, maintaining a steady flow of first energy while feeling a different wide variety of emotions, he's more able to effectively control what he has. And while he's doing that, Gojo's going to go off and uh, intimidate some old people. <laughs> he does that a lot. Unfortunately, on the way to intimidate old people. <laughs> yeah, on the way to intimidate old people, Volcano Curse. Uh, jo we're just going to call him Volcano Curse because Gojo versus Jogo is too goddamn much. There are a lot of really similar names in this. Too many names end with O in this. <laughs> Gojo is getting driven along. Just like the joke is that he's always late to every meeting. It's like, let's show up early for once. Actually, hold on. Pull over. Let me out. I know we're like a ways away from where I'm supposed to be going, but we're on the side of a mountain with nothing driving around. to Kyoto. Yeah, mm -hmm. they are on stereotypical lonely mountain Japanese road. It's the same place you saw freaking Saber fight Rider in Fate Zero. It's where you've seen everyone fight everybody. All right. And he's standing there on the side of the road watching the car. There's a great moment right before that where he says to the to the uh, our poor forlorn uh, uh, driver, man. you drive away. Don't worry about me. And he's thinking, is this is a test. Am I going to get punished if I get it wrong? <laughs> is this because I was a co-conspirator in that conspiracy that almost killed your students? <laughs> what? No, just get out of here. And Volcano Curse drops down out of the sky, shattering the road in the process and says, Satoru Gojo, I'm here to kill you, and creates a volcano out of the side of the mountain that erupts all over the man. 
And it is so cool everything that uh, Jogo does, but I have a serious question I want everyone to know. How much did Gojo's PR person have to pay for this fight to exist? Because <laughs> <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is clowning. This is more clowning than we saw in Sukana's fight. <laughs> like, because here's the thing: all of these jujutsu sorcerers, they have a most of them have an a uh, cursed technique. If they channel their cursed energy in a specific way, they can do a specific thing. Gojo's power is infinity. He can compress infinite space between himself and his opponent, rendering him literally invincible. Any attack that would hit him would need to cross an infinite amount of space. I, I love the explanation in the author's notes about what this power is. It is powered by humans' fear of math. Because they specifically mention a how they felt when they were doing limits in high school. <laughs> Infinitely getting close to something, but never truly reaching it. The scene where Gojo explains this to Volcano Curse is great, because he's like, here, try and touch my hand. Uh, I can't. I can't get close to him. Well, actually, it's more like the closer you get to me, the slower you're going because you're crossing more space. But here, we can hold hands. Come on. Don't be bashful. Crush. <laughs> You're making me embarrassed by rejecting me. <laughs> so he grabs his hand and then and then Gojo uses his other free hand to pound multiple attacks straight into this thing. In this fight, we get established that killing intent is a thing people can sense in this universe. Mm -hmm. If you don't sense killing intent, then uh, obviously there's no hostility going on. They're not trying to kill you, so you shouldn't fear it. Is, is it, And it really only matters because of how this fight ends. But anyway. Yeah, because Gojo is really messing up Volcano Curse's entire day. And Volcano Curse is like, all right, I'm going to have to use that. My domain expansion technique. And Gojo's like, oh, actually, this is a good teaching opportunity. One moment and then. <laughs> timeout teleports away grabs yuji teleports back yeah gojo can teleport like so fun story the author's notes brings up that yeah i guess he can do that um <laughs> the author apologizes for giving him teleporting oh my god like gojo can just do whatever he wants he's he is absolutely it, it just in a league of his own because he also he also complains about long train rides to different locations, so they have to go. <laughs> he normally takes the train, but in this instance, he can teleport. It's here that Volcano Curse expands his domain. He uses a whole bunch of cursed energy to create a little bubble of space where he is at his most powerful. And when you're inside a domain, uh, cursed techniques will always hit you. Always. No, not even the infinite space power can protect you. Uh, the the best way to deal with this, though, is to impose your own domain. And that's when Gojo takes off his blindfold. <laughs> I love the explanation that the best defense to getting attacked is to just be stronger. Like, <laughs> yeah. What a worthless explanation. <laughs> it, it essentially just becomes both of you use your domain. Who's ever got the stronger domain will win. And naturally, Gojo's is stronger as he goes full dishonored and sends 
volcano curse to the void and <laughs> is doing his best outsider impression as he appears and says oh yeah no the reason that you're unable to move isn't because there's nothing around here for you to see it's actually because you're experiencing the infinity of the universe all at once and your brain doesn't know how to calculate it anyway i'm gonna rip off your head now you better answer my questions yeah and then he gets decapitated and then they interrogate the head <laughs> interrogate the decapitated head but um before they get any real meaningful information, a second special level um, cursed spirit comes jumping in and attacks with uh, some kind of plant sorcery. But the big thing is um, Gojo is unable to sense them initially uh, and then doesn't have a strong defense because the entire time uh, Hanami, as we get established as this cursed spirit's name, at no point do they feel killing intent from it. Mm hmm. It's there to grab the head and get out and is not going to hurt them. Brings the head of Volcano Spirit back to our bad guys, including Ghetto and a dude who looks like. Well, I keep saying we live in a post Resident Evil world. He looks a bit like Ethan Winters all stitched together. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say he looks like a Demon Slayer character, but in this universe. <laughs> He also does look like that. You're right. I don't remember his name, but the Hiroaka character with the blue flames. Dobby. Yeah, Dobby. Yeah, I got I got Dobby vibes. And they do the classic villain thing of, oh, ho, this is a more entertaining situation than we thought. <laughs> and then we go back to our uh, main characters who also were training for the Goodwill Festival this entire time. They had a much more mundane training arc. <laughs> They did have a much more mundane training arc, though it did have the important thing of establishing the uh, the stakes of the Goodwill event, uh, because we are introduced to two people from uh, Kyoto Jujutsu High, including uh, Mai Zenin, Maki's sister, I think. At the very least, she's her sister or cousin. She's, she's her twin, I think. Oh, is she? Yeah, it's either sister or cousin, but they're from the same family. I, I think their relationship gets actually defined in the next arc. But mm. yeah, it's, they, they have the same family name. So I, either way, Mai has a gun. <laughs> yeah, her her cursed tool is a gun <laughs> is to shoot you with bullets <laughs> like they're cursed bullets, but <laughs> which like... seems to make them less effective because <laughs> if you just shot someone, they'd be dead. Look, she's using cursed energy to control the amount of explosion in the chamber. <laughs> we are not going back to that. We don't have the time. I was just going to say, are we going back to fire? We do, we do not have the time to go back to that. <laughs> we, we need to talk about my boy Aoi, Ten, uh, Aoi Toto. He has a pineapple for a head. <laughs> he's extremely buff. And the first thing he does is he turns to Megumi and he's like, what kind of women do you like? Be careful with your answer. A person's taste is indicative of what kind of person they are. If you have boring tastes, then you're a boring guy. And I don't like boring people. By the way, I like tall women with big butts. And I have never spiritually connected with a manga character more in my entire life. Yeah, he specifically says if he's unhappy with Megumi's answer, he's going to beat him half to death. Which, when uh, Megumi looks around to the three women surrounding him before he answers, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Because you can tell he has an honest answer, but he doesn't want to, like, he doesn't want to be vulgar for one. Like, he, and then he looks around to the women around him and then gives a very safe answer. Of, well, also, Nobara actually says to him, if you say something like big boo, I'm going to punch you <laughs> like 
<laughs> on top of him being concerned just generally. So he yeah. gives like the most obvious answer you'd expect. Well, it really doesn't matter what they're like as long as they're kind and compassionate. I knew it. You have boring taste and you're a boring guy. I'm going to suplex you now. <laughs> and then they start fighting and then stop fighting because you need to save it for the competition. And then Owl Toto needs to also go to the Tokyo event of an idol he wants to meet because he missed the Kyoto event. <laughs> yes, we did learn an important thing that... Uh, during the prologue chapters event, Toto took on three grade one spirits and a special grade spirit and beat all of them. And he only used his cursed technique for the special grade one because that's when he needed to bust out his real power. They explain in passing in the chapter so that you're not lost, but you see the events play out. And one of the things that they make pretty clear is uh, Maki Zenin. Uh, she hates her last name because she is the black sheep of the family because she doesn't have energy herself. She can't even see curses without her glasses, but quite frankly, she looks really, really cute in those glasses. And she is best girl because the entire reason she wants to become a jujutsu sorcerer is specifically because she is not naturally capable of it. She wants to become a really good one despite all of the bastards in her family that laughed at her. Yeah, she's she's pretty top tier. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, to close off our reading, we get a final glorious scene where after clowning on the volcano guy to death, uh, Gojo meets uh, the head of the Kyoto or the chairman of the Jujutsu Kaisen board. I forget. Something like that. He's he's the principal of the Kyoto school and also on the council that tried to kill uh, Yuji. Essentially, yeah. he's a very old man. Like he's depicted with like droopy ears and like wrinkles yeah. beyond anything uh and he is very conservative uh gojo walks up to him and says the future is now old man suck my n and walks away he says a lot more than that but that is the essence of it it is essentially the same conversation he had earlier in private with the doctor, but in public and says, old man, you don't understand the new wave of jujitsu sorcerers are going to take your old ways by storm and leave you far beyond the power scale. Which is just one more reason to love Gojo, because he doesn't say it behind people's backs. He goes right up to he goes right up to the people he doesn't like and says, come at me, bro. You won't. Old man is like, you, you've got a smart mouth, Gojo. And he's like, yeah, I do. What are you going to do? Fight me? I'm invincible. Come at me. <laughs> at which point, as he's leaving, he says, by the way, the person you were actually here to uh, be in two hours. I lied to you about the time. Bye. <laughs> It's a really cute scene at the end where um, the uh, president's assistant uh, is a huge fangirl for Gojo. And <laughs> the entire time she has like little bubbles are like, oh, he's so dreamy, which in all fairness, there are multiple characters who fangirl over Gojo in universe. Mm. Out, but, out loud, she's like, mean, how dare you say this to the respectable elder? Have you seen him? <laughs> I have seen him. It's really cute because the uh, president sends her out for tea. Uh, because he's now got a two-hour wait, so instead of going to get tea, she runs after Gojo to get a selfie, uh, and <laughs> the end of the panel thing is a picture of her selfie she got with him. <laughs> <laughs> and also Toto finally getting to that uh, idol. And he had her do the cute, like, uh, Toro beam or whatever, and then got yelled at that he was taking too much time and had to move on. <laughs> <laughs> And that brings us to the end of our reading. So let's get this discussion down. Uh, favorite character for me, 
I mean, I said it at the beginning. I love Gojo. He is invincible. He knows it. I, I did not have the words for it earlier, but Matt's right with the big youth pastor energy. <laughs> How about you, Jacob? Um, I, I have a feeling we're all going to say Gojo. Uh, so definitely Gojo is number one. Like, not that he breaks the fourth wall, but like you kind of feel like a part of him knows he's in a manga and he also knows he can't die. So he just does whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is just, like he's so entertaining. And just because, again, I think we're all probably going to end up uh, having Gojo is at least near the top. Uh, another character that I really like, not just because I, you know, Sam and I read the prologue, but uh, or the the prequel comic. But um, Maki Zenin loved the character design. She's super cute. And I really liked her story. And not knowing that that prequel wasn't supposed to be read in order when we skipped away from that, I was actually really sad that. I wanted to see more of her, you know, when, when does she... How about you, Jay? Who's your favorite? Thank you guys set me up. It's freaking Gojo. Freaking <laughs> disruptive. Disruptive Kakashi. <laughs> Love it. I mean, I can rock the boat here. I'm not actually a huge Gojo fan. Um, oh, really? I don't... I, so, yeah, I know... Explain yourself. He's normally right up in my bag because the thing I love is characters who are confident and can back it up. Like, I love that, like, loud, boastful confidence that comes with, like, yes, I can do this thing. But, like, I don't I don't know. The fact that Goju's Goju, Gojo is like the top of the pyramid and like there is literally nothing above him kind of like it's, it's the same reason why I prefer Simone to Kamina. Like, I, I prefer people who have like a little room to grow. Go, Gojo is already on top and he is a good motivating factor for other people, which is hilarious because Gojo acknowledges that. <laughs> he is a better teacher than he would be at anything else because he says he could excel at anything he would want to do. But what he wants is to have everyone else rise. But I've talked a lot about Gojo for me not even saying he's my favorite <laughs> character. Um, I really love Nabara. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Um, she's great, uh, and since I guess I'll say another one, uh, Sukano. Sukana, I don't know why I keep saying his name wrong, but he's great. <laughs> I, I love... He might be my favorite antagonist, like, in everything we've read. I, I'm gonna be honest, when I picked the chapters we read to, I thought the next arc was in this, and I'm like, oh, but no. <laughs> well, next stay time. tuned for part two. <laughs> yeah, we're only doing that arc. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> So uh, favorite fight. Well, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it was, you know, Gojo absolutely clowning on people. But I got to give it up for um, the battle inside the mind. Like it's mostly a battle of words between Yuji and uh, Sukuna, but I'm, I'm a fan of those. And even though it ends with a very abrupt decapitation, it's a very interesting battle all the same. Um. I guess for me, the funny thing is, and, and this is not a matter of like, you know, we've all talked about how great the art is. Um, I think the art is at its best when it's like doing glamour shots. Um, I'm not I don't dislike the fight scenes, but none of them really grabbed me. Um, so honestly, I think I, I might second the battle inside the mind. Um, uh, the alternative is uh, Nobara. Uh, clowning on the the mannequin uh mm -hmm. curse uh that was it, it, like 
it was so swift there wasn't really much of a fight to it but it so well establishes why you should like her character um which for someone with a big personality like hers is really critical because if that if that personality grates on someone it's you know it's really easy to give that character the wrong impression and it establishes why you should like her and care about her so quickly um and as we've all said you know really cool weapon um you know i i you know third favorite character would probably be nabara so um i i guess i'll go uh with uh that as my favorite fight hey jay you got a favorite fight in addition to um Gojo's fights i would have to say class encounter i'd have to agree just because it was the fact that it kind of was reminiscent of like ghost story i don't know I don't know why it kind of like sprung that in me, but it was just kind of almost comical of like initially before there was a switch over of how like they were being like flat out destroyed. I don't know. There was a bit of like comedy in there for me. You know what? Yeah, I I was going to actually say the Sukana Megumi fight is my favorite. And I think I would still say as like an actual fight, that's my favorite because that's got a lot of like cool dynamic things and they're fighting over like a law and and the ending to that's really good. But like the schoolyard fights between uh, Megumi and Nobara and the class twos. And then also against the Kyoto people when they show up. I love the fact that they're fighting and, like, throwing schoolyard insults at each other. Like, um, <laughs> Nobara flat out tells a girl she's got bad pores. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I take back uh, what I said to Maki. Uh, Maki prettier. Have you been getting enough sleep? I can see all your pores. Uh-huh. I'm like, <laughs> well, they're... she's being held at gunpoint. Maybe. Yeah. And, like, the, uh, the mangaka actually explains, like, yeah, I feel a little bad about how mean the high school kids are to each other, but high school kids are mean to each other. Yeah. And yep. you need to understand one of the big things about jujitsu fights is um, if you can't just kill the person, what you need to do is emotionally get them off their rocker so they waste power where it doesn't need to be used. So they're attacking each other mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what those insults are supposed to do is get them to, like, overreact and waste a bunch of energy on something. My superpower is cattiness. Also, Nabara flat out just spending her um, vacation buying clothes is her training arc I loved. <laughs> I, I'll, I said it once and I'll say it again. Nabara has my infinite respect for her ability to stand there, look death in the eye, plant her feet, and tell it to go screw itself. She's in Tokyo, and, you know, she's going to have her trip and enjoy it. And how dare you come in between that? Mm-hmm. How dare you put that hole in her jersey? You, cool. Yeah, you ripped the tracksuit that I literally just bought. How dare you? Take <laughs> off your clothes and leave them behind to replace it. <laughs> I, I feel a bit remiss because um, I've got on the discussion topics. Uh, we could talk about the cursed energy in this um, thing. But I think the one thing we haven't really hit the stride of is having enough people with examples using cursed techniques to really get an idea of how the system works. Yeah, I don't think the, we have really a concept of like what these techniques really look like. We just see people with powers and people maybe not so overtly with powers, like people who are obviously more sensitive to being able to see these creatures, but we don't have people who are use a lot, use, using like definitive techniques. 
Yeah, it just it, seems like random powers. Because the big thing is what we've seen is people fighting cursed spirits. We haven't seen them fight like the humanoid cursed spirits that can use techniques or because the only person who fights them is Gojo, who clowns on him or uh, Sukuna, who just obliterates them with pure power. Um, the Goodwill Games fight is a lot of jujitsu sorcerers fighting each other and explaining mm-hmm. their powers. I think that would be a much more... That'd be a better arc to discuss the cursed energy system after because it would have, like, examples you could go off of. Because right now it's essentially just evil key. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it very much is the key. And, like, there, there was a little bit more in the uh, prologue stuff that, like, I've seen a little bit more of the, um, the system. And, like, it's very much the case this is building up to doing a showcase of this is why our particular system is what it is um because like the only real note that i had about it is like i don't see why you can't do like curse energy and just like vanilla magic or something like that as an alternative uh just for like a little bit of variety um but like you know the the next arc is basically the way it's setting it up is explaining why it's the way it is yeah uh, narratively speaking so um, well, I would argue that there is a little bit of magic because there are people who don't have techniques, but they're able to summon spirits and whatnot. So, I mean, I would argue that there is a bit of that, like they, they can just do benign magic things that are miraculous, but they're not able to like utilize their power and, and something that would be a definitive, like. Like Maki's. Yeah. Well, Maki's cur- See, the thing is, Maki's still using cursed objects, but it's like that's getting into. Like, what do they even mean by curse energy? Oh, yeah, it sounds like we're getting into a crash course of what the heck any of this is. So, <laughs> I mean, so I guess we can just do this. Um, you all know I've already read more of this. Um, I, I think I made it to around chapter 60 last time I was really into this. I've dropped off keeping recent with it. But um, so, uh, Sam, would you continue reading Jujutsu Kaisen? Oh, absolutely. I'm having a blast with it. Okay. Uh, Jay, would you continue reading? I do. I, I would continue reading. The only problem is, you know, I've wanted to continue reading so many of these, so I don't know, you know, where it would be on my list. I couldn't rank them for you right now on demand, but... <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, it, it seems to be a common thread of, yes, I would read this. Yes, I would continue reading. When am I going to get around to that? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and I think I'm kind of in the same camp um i liked this um but i honestly it's 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 only kind of barely my cup of tea and i think i'd put it low on my list of things to get around to like if i had a if i had a whole bunch of time to just get through a bunch of stuff heck yeah i'd keep reading this because it's really good but i know there's other stuff that with the limited time i have available to me i know there's other stuff i prioritize over this um in terms of like, like, I mean, definitely check it out. Um, and um, yeah, it's I it, I kind of know it would be lower on my list than some of the other stuff that like I, you know, Chainsaw Man, I'd probably put over it. Um, but it's definitely it's definitely a really fun series uh, when you have the time for it. All right. I believe that wraps up our discussion. Uh, 
Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the Overmanga Cast. Make sure to leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, follow us at Overmanga Cast for our premiere shit posts and bad opinions. And uh, make sure to tune in next time where we are going to return to Webtoon. This time for someone something a, a bit more in our wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when this was a manga discussion podcast. <laughs> well, now it's a Mahanwa podcast because we're doing Tower of God, chapters 1 to 34. I'll finally <laughs> have something to put uh, my binge listening of the OP to. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you all next Thursday. Good night. Good night. Good night, Good night. everybody.